Theaters welcomes you to the exciting world of the movies. Smoking is not permitted in this auditorium. It's the law. Certificates are available at the box office. Thanks for helping us keep the theater clean. As you exit the auditorium, please deposit litter in trash receptacles in the lobby. Please be considerate and don't talk during the show. Second episode of JB's Drive-In Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Paul is here with me. Hi, Paul. Hello. How are you doing? Fantastic, fantastic. Right off the first episode that we had, uh, second part being released last weekend, The Predator. You have a couple good weeks. A couple good weeks. Um, I have to be honest. Uh, thank you for the listeners. A bit surprised about the number of listeners that we have. Uh, yeah, um, and the, the couple people that... I have t- spoken to uh, who have listened all seem to enjoy it. So yeah. uh, maybe we're doing something right maybe, for a change. Maybe we're doing I, – I think we're a couple weeks ahead of where I thought we were going to be. <coughs> I really do. I well, yeah, like, I don't think – this was originally projected to be recorded two weeks from now. Yes. So yes. Uh, that so it is technically a little early, but it works out perfectly due to the fact that we have a huge release coming up Friday. Yes. So, uh, yes. is it this Friday? It's next Friday. Yeah, it's next Friday. Yeah. Next yeah. Friday. So, fits, uh, fits perfectly. Fits perfectly. But yeah. Well, same thing with the Predator. Predator yeah, was releasing something? right around the same time as uh, our Predator show. Isn't that something? Yeah. And it's that, just we, weird. We didn't plan it that way. We, we honestly didn't plan it that way. When we were talking about what were the first couple of shows we wanted to do, we figured <laughs> since it's October, why not? Why not do? Well, Hall- it's Halloween. Halloween. You got to do Halloween. You got to do Halloween. But before we get into Halloween. Um, we want to talk about let's, let's do a little bit of recap Predator unlike friends of the show Greg Klein who, who was a bit skeptical about Predator I know he, he would rather us do these like beaches and going with the wind I, I think that Predator was a, was a good uh, lift off show for us I know we were a bit nervous and all that going for it for the first time but I think we're going to iron some things out iron some things out and I, I noticed that when I was listening to it there's a couple things that I did I know that I used the word phenomenal a thousand times. Did you? <laughs> Every other I, I guess I, I didn't pay attention to our foil, foilables last time, um, but I, I'm sure there was plenty of them. Oh. I, I have a bad, bad, bad case of the ums. Yeah, yeah, yeah everybody. <clears throat> everybody does. So there was a use of the phenomenal, the phenomenal all over the damn place. I hey, think. But, it, but to be fair, Predator is one of your favorite movies. It is. It is one of my favorite movies. It is one of, but I think it had a lot to do with my second Bible. That's the fact that I started drinking earlier in the day, and if you listen to the podcast... You did get a little slurry. I got a little slurry at the end. I mean, I repeated the fact that the Predator was going to kick Arnold's ass in hand-to-hand combat five times. I counted. I'm like, oh, that's brutal. I left it in there because I thought it was funny. No, it, I, I didn't see where that was a problem. Um, I'll be honest. I think, uh, you know, neither one of us are professional broadcasters. We don't pretend to be. Uh we just kind of do this for fun. We've never made a dime off this shit. It cost us an arm and a leg, so what the hell? What the, yeah, what the hell? Why not? <laughs> and, of course, you know, there's things that I, I enjoyed the, the uh, evolution of politically correct call Paul coming out last week as well with you. I think it was, I don't think they should have, no, it wasn't, I don't think they should have put it in there. It's like, eh, I 
don't know about that with uh, Jesse Ventura's faggot line. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was like three times I heard. Yeah, I don't think that was necessary to be in there. Like, oh, yeah, cool. well, it's going to get worse with Halloween. Oh, yeah, it's going to get Even though Halloween is my favorite horror movie. It is definitely my favorite horror movie. I, I, I loved Halloween as a kid. So. Yes, we will, we will oh, we're still not there. Right. There's I'm one sorry. more thing that i got to point out. Okay. One more point of contention. Go for it, sir. There's the fact that there was a bit of a misunderstanding with the name of Poncho, whereas you called him... Ranchero, which happens to be, I think, a Dorito oh. flavor. Oh, no, no, I might have been the location. <laughs> location. I don't know why I kept saying that. You said, is, are you sure his name is not Ranchero? It's like it's Poncho. But I just thought that was cute because you're also according to Greg Paul. Uh, I wasn't trying to be. I know. I, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm the farthest thing from politically I, correct, I can tell you that. Yes. But, yes. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean I do anything that's not necessary. <laughs> Oh, yeah, a little man's back. Anyway, but, yeah, so I thought it was a good show. We're ironing some things out. Really looking forward to doing this show. That's my son in the background. No big deal. Uh, so so the second episode of JB's Drive-In Theater is Halloween, 1978. Yes, 1978. years ago. Now, now, before we really get into it, how old were you when you actually saw Halloween for the first time. Probably, you know, I I remember it specifically. I was over at my friend Chris Timmons' house <clears throat> in his living room when this came on. And since I don't know him, I have to assume that's like elementary school. Elementary school. <laughs> and of course, he had the stereotypical older brother that was also the asshole bully. Oh yeah, of course. You know, he just it was stereotypical. So he's he's laughing at us and making fun of us as we're watching Halloween. I must have been six. Seven, yeah, and just around that time frame, just watching it, scared the living daylights out of me. Oh yeah, I mean, as a six-year-old, terrified, terrified. Of course, he's over there in the corner laughing. Hey. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's actually pretty similar. Uh, um, oh my goodness, <laughs> it's, it's actually a pretty similar story. Uh, I I don't know how this came to be, but we ended up going to my aunt and uncle's house every Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, and I seem to remember when I was younger, mm-hmm. I mean, much younger, I was probably in Canesville. N- n- no, 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 no. This is, uh, you, Timmy's mom and dad. Okay. Okay. Um, so we would go, uh, I would go over to Timmy's house every Halloween. I mean, this was, pro- I, I guess I was probably like six or seven too. It was right around that same age, first grade, second grade, mm-hmm. maybe even third. Um, it could even have been earlier than that. It really doesn't matter. But we would go over there, and it was almost like a tradition. You would go in, you know, and there was the Disney. Um, Disney had the horror. It was the cartoons, the scary stuff. Like, they would play music like mm-hmm. Evil Woman, and they would show clips from okay. all the Disney princess movies and shit like that. Mm-hmm. So they had that, and then there was uh, the Ichabod Crane. And then after those all went off... Then we would go out, I'd go out in the living room and we would watch USA and USA would always either play Friday the 13th mm-hmm. or Halloween um, every year. Of course, it was the edited stuff for the most part until we got a little bit older and then the uncut stuff came in. Good stuff. So Juicy stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, as a kid, I, still nowadays, I am easy to jump. 
I am easy to jump and in. You're a hard and I fanatic. love it. That's where you know you're really strong. But that's is. why I love this shit. I love, I love being scared. You, you I love, love jumping. You are a connoisseur of horror. I mean, for those who don't know who Paul is, which is most of you, Paul goes to every single horror convention out there. I mean, he's best friends with Kane Fodder. It's Kane Hodder, but... Oh, excuse me. Kane Hodder. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, who say that to, to his be, face. He's uh, <laughs> Freddy's huge. He, he's Freddy Krueger. No, he was... <laughs> you're, now you're just fucking up on purpose. <laughs> he's Jason. Yeah. He's Jason. Well, he was. He was um, Jason. But he was a stuntman well before he was Jason. So. He's well-respected. Uh, he, he managed to get his own uh, series called Hatchet mm-hmm. through uh, um, Jay... Uh, Oh, God damn, what's that dude's last name? I can't think of it. It doesn't Zena? matter. Um, he, he did a bunch of films with Kane Hodder, so. Uh, but now there's like four hatchets. <laughs> yeah. So they all kind of, everything gets played out in the end, including Halloween. So bring us full circle back to Halloween. Full circle. So I think before we, we talk about, now I look at Halloween from three different standpoints. I, I look at it from the standpoint of John Carpenter. Okay. Who is... I would say, would you classify him as a legend in horror, or would you classify him more of as a maverick or or someone who was? Oh, he's a he's a legend. He's a legend. Horror a legend in horror. Point. Okay, legend in horror. I look at it from the standpoint of the production and the fact that it wasn't. You're not looking at a multi million dollar production no. in terms of making it. But they made it look very made, good using the Panavision. But go ahead. Correct. And I also look at it from the standpoint that it revolutionized the horror genre? Uh, yes and no. Yes I, and I, I agree and disagree, but... And, and the reason is... The mainstream because horror. The mainstream, me, and that's important. That's the mainstream. Uh, because up until this point, most horror movies, especially up until Psycho, were the gothic, either the gothic horror movies, or you, you know, the vampires? What's that British vampire show? Uh, uh, something Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows. So you had the gothic type horror movies, and you also had the Universal, the classic <clears throat> Universal horror movies: Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, the right. Creature from the Black Lagoon, the Mummy. Fantastic movies in their own right. Yeah, they they actually tried to once again resurrect those a couple years ago, starting with uh, Tom Cruise's The Mummy, but that did not go well. Was it because of Tom Cruise or The Mummy? I I don't think anybody realized. I don't think the the wide audience understood that it was going to be a, a universe like Marvel or. They didn't. I don't think anybody knew that when the Mummy came out. I had no idea. I honestly, I had no idea. Yeah. I st- I, this is the first I've heard of it. And I, and to be perfectly honest with you, I don't think they sold the Mummy real well. Um, and the Mummy is a difficult sell. I think they would have been much better off if they had started with creature, either you know either Dracula or yeah creature. I think from, creature the Black Lagoon that would have been good Universal because Dracula. I mean, you've had a fantastic rendition of Dracula with 20 years ago, 25 years ago with, um, with uh, Oldman. Yeah. Fantastic. I think so, but it's kind of weird, the reaction to that. I think it's phenomenal, but a lot of people are weirded out by it, and they, oh, Keanu Reeves destroyed that. I'm like, well, really? No, Come on, did. man. No, he, he, he was did. fine. 
Oldman was phenomenal, but then they like, oh, he was over the top all the time. It's like, <laughs> you what? know what? I don't know what you want. This is a, he's Dracula, you stupid Jeez. bastards. I mean, come on. <laughs> Jeez. I thought the emotion in Dracula was was great. It was super. Oldman did a great it, job. I felt like it just slapped you in the face and then just kept slapping you yeah. in the face. It was awesome. I yes. loved it. Um, but then again, I love horror. So Yeah, you love horror. And I, I love horror to an extent. Of course, I write horror books. So it's kind of weird that half the novels I write are horror. And I'm, my favorite genre. I don't even know what my favorite genre is. At least I, it's not beaches. You know, great what's Klein. wrong with beaches? I don't know. Great Klein. I like beaches. Matter of fact, if you keep pushing it, that might be our review come God next no. uh, God, summer. God, no. God, no. Oh, my God. Next summer is going to be great. Beaches shark is awesome, sorry. We have a month of shark, like the, the summer. You're, you're picking the wrong. And now, if you wanted to, to talk about the remake of Beaches, then you've got an argument because yeah. that was just. I had no idea there was a remake. God awful. It, it's the same old cliche bullshit where they decide that they're going to make the black version of Beaches. Oh, I thought it was like, does it star Mandy Moore? No, no. Uh, you know, it's you're either getting like the two most white people to come back and do a, a remake or you're getting the black interpretation, which is always, it just depends on how it's done. Mm-hmm. I I've seen really, really good black film, but for some unknown reason, whenever they do that, it just feels very hey. ugh. blackula. Blackula is awesome in its own right, but, for a whole different reason. But I can tell you, we are, we are here to talk about Halloween, and you are going to keep pushing me and pushing me. I'm we'll sorry, talk yeah, all I, I know, night. because you're a hard... That's the thing with Paul. <laughs> the problem with Paul is that he, he is a horror aficionado, but it also is a repository of knowledge. Trust me. Yeah, I wish I was as... Uh, Trust me. Had vast, as vast of a knowledge of it as I used to. Well, my, my brain doesn't hold as much. I think I hit capacity about 10 years ago. There you go. Big-ass <laughs> head, though. Anyway, so, so as I explained, he had the universal horror, the universal <clears throat> monsters of Gothic, and I think Psycho was probably the first... Well, Hitchcock altogether. Well, Hitchcock altogether. I mean, Hitch, Hitchcock, if, The birds and all that crap, yeah. Almost not, all not of crap. it, dude. Let me clarify that. Not crap. Hitchcock was a genius. Mm, Hitchcock... And especially his wife could be a genius. Uh, there were a lot of situations where things get pushed up that because they had the Hitchcock name on it that probably shouldn't shouldn't have, shouldn't have been. But there's, I mean, you you have Hitchcock, but at the same time you had, um, oh, Jesus God, what's his name? Uh, 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 the the Tingler, House on Haunted Hill. Uh, oh, uh, oh, oh, Vincent Price. No, no wait, Vincent yeah, Price, right. the actor. I'm talking about Elvira, the, guy, Elvira. the guy who made the movies. Elvira. Elvira. I'm, just, I'm being sarcastic because Elvira, you know, Elvira. Yeah, I know who Elvira is. She's phenomenal. I'll, I'll use that word <laughs> for her. <laughs> she, she she, I think all of this is getting cut, by no, the way. It's not. None of this is making the no, show. It's, it's making the show. Trust me. It's making, this is making the show. This is making the show. <clears throat> um, Oh, uh, it's going to drive me crazy, and it'll come to me later, so well, we'll just move on. I love the guy. William Castle. Jesus. William Castle. But for some reason, I keep forgetting his name. I love William Castle. I actually think I like William Castle more than Hitchcock sometimes, um, just because he was just the total gimmick guy. I liked House on Haunted Hill. I really did. I, I love it. I even like I the love remake. the remake. I love the remake, too. 
I, I absolutely loved both versions yeah. of that film. Yeah, the remake was great. Yeah. yeah. And people shit it. on that, too. They do? Yeah. Oh, it wasn't scary. Well, you know, it, blah, blah, blah. You notice that with anything, <laughs> with anything, with anything in life, there's the mob. And people like to follow the mob. <clears throat> like, case in point, this past year, Black Panther was widely praised. Yeah. Watched it. Meh. Meh. Just like I didn't hate it, but I definitely yeah, didn't the, see where it was the best movie ever made, yeah. and we should all get on a knee. Right, but the same thing with like the idea of oh, it's a remake; it's not as good as bullshit. There are a lot of remakes that are better than the original. Um, yeah, I mean that's easy to say because just in, I mean even shitty remakes are sometimes better than the originals. Okay, case in point, The Blob. The 1984 version of The Blob or 1985, whenever the hell it came out, was much better just simply because, you know, the the cinematography got better. The, the you know, the special effects got better. Everything got better. So, it, of course, it looked better than the 1950s version. Um, you know, now there are certain, a lot of people that can't go back and watch those original versions of, like, House on Haunted Hill and The Blob. But it's like... You just have to appreciate it for what it was at the time period as well. Yeah, I man, agree. and that shit is great if you if you really just break it down and look at it. Now, where I lose interest in the quasi horror, you know, genre is when you start getting into like the gladiators, like uh, Clash of the Titans type stuff. I I couldn't get into that. The, the claymation, the claymation stuff, stuff was a little yeah. too much. I actually like Clash of the Titans, but okay, I digress. So. But even with Psycho, let's go back to Psycho. You still had the gothic house in the background. Oh, and Psycho is perfect to talk about with this movie. I mean, the, Carpenter was inspired all over the place by Psycho. Well, let's yeah, let's get into John. So John Carpenter, yeah, driving force behind this movie, as uh, we said for the most part. Yes, for the most part. I mean, the producers and Deborah Hill, which we'll get into. Uh, but John Carpenter. Is a as you said, we agreed upon a legend in the horror genre. Nineteen fifty three, born nineteen fifty three, started watching movies as a kid. This movie called "It Came from Outer Space" was actually written by Ray Bradbury, which is one of my favorite authors. Yes, Bradbury. I'm going to use the word again because phenomenal. It fits. Phenomenal. <laughs> you lunatic. Phenomenal. You got to stop. <laughs> I, I do. I know. I'm using it way too much. You got to listen to the last part. It was ridiculous. Um, terrified him. He, he won- could be, but he could also be. It's it's that same old thing. Like if you look at Alfred Hitchcock presents, or if you look at Bradbury's Theater, or if you look at um, even the Twilight Zone or the Twilight Zone remakes, like. They're all, everybody wants to say, oh, it was brilliant. Everything was brilliant. Eh. Some of it was brilliant. Some of it was brilliant. Some of it was okay. I mean, you know, just for for example, in, um, I can't remember if it was Amazing, well, actually it was Amazing Stories and it was uh, Bradbury's, no, not Bradbury, but Amazing Amazing Stories Stories. and another one had word processor, uh, the word processor from, uh, of the gods. Uh Uh-huh which was a Stephen King short. <clears throat> so, like, they weren't even... They were just, like, compilations of all these different people put together. Bradbury the- Bradbury's theater mm. was Ray Bradbury, but yes. some of his stuff is great, some of it not so much. 
Just like anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stephen King I don't even plenty, know why I keep going on these. St- Stephen things. King has plenty of not so much crap. Uh, yeah, I love Stephen King, but go ahead. Anyway, so going back to John Carpenter, so he, he saw he sees the movie. It came from outer space <laughs> in theaters. Loved it because he loved the reaction from everybody. The fact that it scared him. That reaction fueled him in looking to other movies and. He fell in love with uh, the entire Hollywood. There was this gentleman by the name of Howard Hawks who produced a, a, a lot of movies in Hollywood's golden age. So as he grew up, he wanted to get in the movies, goes to USC Film School, which is, a, is a, I guess, a prominent film school. Probably, probably the most prominent film school. And here's the, iron, here's the irony. He wanted to make films coming out of USC, he wanted to make films, specifically Westerns, that appealed to a wide audience. Yes. But Westerns were dying at the time. Yes. I mean, basically, you couldn't make a Western in the late 70s. You just couldn't. Um, And even through the 80s, I mean, you you, you can't even really think of any really... I mean, was Josie Wales? Josie Wales was still early 70s, wasn't yes. it? Yes. I think he was late 60s, early 70s. Good, the bad, and ugly. So I'm trying to think if there was any real big ones in the 80s. I mean, I think the biggest one was probably Unforgiven, which was 94. That, it was that late? Yeah, it was, really? it was in the 90s. I thought it was 92. It could have been 92. I, it I, it I thought really, it was 94. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So you had... Carpenter, in, in, while, in US, while at USC Film School, he made this sci-fi comedy horror called Dark Star, was ma- managed to raise $30,000 for it. And then he... Uh, no, you were right, 92. 92. How, why do I know that? I don't know. I, I don't know why I know that off the cuff. I don't know why I, I thought it was 94. There's no reason for me to know that. Nope. Uh, anyway. So then he makes this movie called Assault on Precinct 13, which... Actually, is a remake of uh, Rio Bravo, and has been remade since then. Has been remade by they Howard did, Howard Hawks. Howard Hawks did the original. Yes, I don't remember who did the most recent one. No, I don't either. Um, if, why do I keep thinking Ethan Hawke was in it? <laughs> yeah. Maybe just because of the Howard Hawks thing. But so, go ahead. Well, the important part about it is he made he made Dark Star for thirty thousand dollars, and he made Assault on Precinct Thirteen for seventy five thousand dollars. So. Carpenter had this this knack for making films on a very tight budget. And that's when this gentleman called Erwin Yablons, who happens to be the executive producer following, comes in. He wanted to make, a, after watching Assault on Precinct 13, he wanted to make a movie with Carpenter. And his first inclination was go the horror route. So he approaches Carpenter. They talk about this, this movie. It's like horror would be the way to go, and Carpenter agrees. And there's this idea that Yablons comes up with of having a, a group of girls who are murdered by a killer right? called the Babysitter Murders. Yeah. And Yablons like, okay, how much will it take to make this movie? Now, the Halloween theme wasn't involved yet. Not at all. It was just a group of girls being killed. Yeah, which you had a couple other movies coming out right around the same time with that same theme, but go ahead. So Carpenter said, you know what? I can, I can do it for $30,000, $300,000. Yeah. 
If you raise your $100,000, I can make this movie. Your blonde's like, okay, that sounds good. Then Carpenter was like, but I have to have two conditions. And these conditions for a young filmmaker are unheard of. The one condition was that he had final cut of the movie. Yes. So he could go in there and say, this is what <clears> it is. <throat> Nobody else has any input. The second thing was, I have to have my name above the title of the movie. Right. And this is a thing with authors as well. Having your name above the title is a big deal. It's saying, you know what? They're buying the book for me. Yes. Not because of what the book is about. Which is why most Stephen King movies will have Stephen King's Thanks. Pet Cemetery. Yes. It could say Stephen King pile of shit and yes. people will still buy it, even though this doll, even the book is a pile of shit. Yeah, and the and the funny thing is, is he's written so many books with co-writers, which if you really know what that means, that means the other guy wrote the book and he yes. kind of added, had some input. maybe had some editing input or whatever, and his name gets put on because it'll sell better. Exactly. Ex- um, that's how it is. That's how it is. Now, I, I don't want to say that that happened in any specific case, so please don't sue the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that we're saying is allegedly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be sued, no, but that fine. is generally what happens. That's generally what happens. So back to Halloween, your blondes was like fine. And, and this idea of him branding, Carpenter was all about branding his name, getting it out there. So your blondes had this friend called Mustafa Akkad. Everybody sees a Mustafa Akkad who's late to Halloween. Yes, because name. that's name is synonymous with Halloween at yeah. this point. So your blondes set up. Face-to-face meeting, sold it. Yeah, well, Mustafa Haqqad at the time was making a movie for, what do I, I think I want to say it was like $32 million or something like Good that. God. It was some ridiculous amount of money for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wish I could remember what it was now. Um, it's, I'm blanking on it. But basically, he, you know, $300,000 to him was nothing. Nothing. Nothing for, a, you know, when you're making a movie for an ungodly amount of money like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's 300000 Still, even back in 1978, was cheap. Yes, yeah. But it had to be because the horror genre was not a seller exactly. at the time. Everybody looked at Halloween as the beginning of the slash. The truth of the matter is the, the, slasher, the slasher film started with Black Christmas uh, a couple years before. Um, Interesting enough that it was set at Christmas, and then you had Halloween set at Halloween. Didn't that movie star Bill Goldberg? <laughs> uh, that was a much, much different <laughs> film. Uh, you know, and actually that was not Black Christmas. That was Santa something, Santa Slays. Something like that. Oh, my God, that movie was funny as hell, though. Santa Slays. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's goofy funny, but it's funny. Interesting. Um He's not a good actor, though. <laughs> but uh, no, Black Christmas, which was re, uh, remade, a, I think about, I want to say about 10 years ago now. I think it was 2008 that it was remade, Black Christmas. Um, but it doesn't really matter. It came out a couple years before, and it didn't really get the... Uh, Acclaim? The acclaim until years, years, years later when horror fans were just, like, pushing back on it. Mm-hmm. Um, not to take anything away from Carpenter, though. I mean, there was plenty of other things. Toby Hooper was 
the surprisingly last house on the left. I mean, which was is, you know, so the slasher film, the actual, you know, because you also had uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out right around the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Last House on the Left came out in '72. You had all of the black exploitation films. We call them black exploitation, but literally they they're also called uh, grindhouse films. Uh, there's the grindhouse films had if they had white people in them they were called grindhouse films if they had black people in them they were called black exploitation films same concepts they were over the top you know usually very gruesome usually low budget drive-in movies drive-in movies yeah I mean and a perfect example is Last House on the Left which is a movie that I personally love but not good for Having small children watching, I can tell you that. Like five minutes ago, that would have happened. That <laughs> yeah. you you prevented that from happening. Thank you very much. <laughs> you also had, you know, you they just exploited everybody, mostly women and black people in those movies. Um, you know, you you had, uh, oh God, I spit on your grave. The yeah. cult classic, I cult Spit on classic. Your Grave, which was essentially a movie where a woman is walking through the forest and continuously getting raped. That was the whole movie. It was just like, what the hell is the point of this? She just keeps getting raped. And then she gets home and takes a shower, and she's sitting in the tub, and guess what? She gets raped again. (laughs) But then she gets pissed and kills a bunch of hillbilly. So it's a revenge film, but it's essentially an hour of woman getting raped and a half an hour of her getting revenge. Well, we don't even need to do that movie anymore. Nope, that's the whole movie. <laughs> that's the whole movie. That's a bonus for this week, ladies and gentlemen. And and they remade it, and they've had two sequels since then. Wonderful. Yeah, no shit. Crazy what they'll sell. Crazy. So getting back to Halloween. Yep. He had $300,000 for the budget. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to make that money last. Yes. So he had a tight 21-day shoot. He brings on his girlfriend at the time, Deborah Hill, who also happened to be the script supervisor for his movie Assault on Precinct 13. Yes. They wrote the script in 10 days. And Hill was instrumental in this because she wrote the women's dialogue. Yeah, all the women's dialogue. All to try to give it that realistic feel. You'll, if, you, if you watch the movie, which you should, yes. during this season you'll hear the word totally. Yeah, and, totally. and you and you kind of think that it's early because it's 1978, but really, um, a lot of that vernacular, which gets accredited to the 1980s, kind of came out of the 70s. The late the, 70s. Yeah, the I mean, it was 70s, yeah. it was the um, the age of Aquarius coming to an end, and the you disco know, sucks. The disco, like, yeah, the, the disco era, and then and then right after the disco, then you disco sucks, and then you were getting into more the MTV era. MTV was eighties. Couple years, yeah, you're right. A couple years. Hell, do I know, right? Nothing. You were you were not even three. I was going to say you were three. You were what one? One. (laughs) It was one. Yeah. Actually, when they filmed it, I was like nine months old. Maybe. Which was all of 1978. Yeah, I was on. I was on set. You're on set. Yeah, of course. Of course, you you were there. You were there. You were you were actually holding the camera, right? Right. So they also, when they were writing the when they were writing the script, they also had this idea of what scares they wanted in there, and they yeah. This. And then that's that's. But that's pretty standard. That's what I think. Do. That's what I think do. that it was a new concept in '78, but I don't know that it was a new concept in 2018. No, no, no. 
especially since it was around in 1978. <laughs> so they had this script, they developed this script, and what they, what they were calling at the time was the babysitter murders, and that's when your blondes came up with the idea. It's like, why don't, you know, you're incorporating elements of Halloween. Why don't we have it on a Halloween night and call the movie Halloween? And Carpenter was like, wait, there's no way, there's no way we can use that title. There's no way that we can use the title because we, someone has to have used the, the name Halloween. They went back and looked through it, and guess what? There was no use of the movie title Halloween. Okay, so we are at the start of Halloween. I love the opening. Yes. The, it's an iconic opening. It wasn't yeah. even the original concept oh, really? for the opening. Was the original con- I had no idea. About I don't this. even remember. I just remember that they were. So cheesy. That was a secondary. Uh, that was their second choice, but it ended up being the best choice. It was. I mean, the idea of black bathroom. It's Jackson simplistic, but it's awesome. The yep. The music, of course, makes the movie. Yeah. Say bam, had exist. Yes. Exist in New Jersey, nowhere near. Happens to be. There's a lot of Easter eggs in there. Haddonfield actually happens where Deborah Hill grew up in New Jersey. Yes. So, and of course, I'm sure you're going to get into the opening scene with Michael, young young Michael in 1963, wearing his clown costume. Walking around, very cute kid. Very, very cute kid. Yeah, resembles my son actually. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Which is scary as shit. Risky. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> Thanks. I'm gonna have a great sleep tonight because of that. <laughs> so there's so where where young Michael circles the house, looks in the door. I mean, look in the window. I'm sorry. Sees his sister and that '70s guy making out. Goes around back to front. It's all one shot, which is important, which I'm sure you'll, you're going to talk about. Yeah, it was it was all one all one shot. continuous point of view shot. Uh, there were three actual. It's actually three shots. There's three breaks. Three shot. Three breaks. There's two breaks. I'm sorry, but three shots. Uh, and you can see them. It's the one is where he's putting the mask on, mm-hmm. and it goes to black. And then I believe the other one was when. Uh, I can't remember when the other one was, but there's two. There's two, two obvious scenes where it's going, right. but it's a very cool scene. Once again, POV, uh, not used very often um, at the time. It's all it's used all over the place now, but at the time it wasn't used very often. But it did happen in Hitchcock, so once again, like that is another pushback to you know Psycho. Uh, um, the the shower scene was mostly shot first person. Um, with the cutaways, which they did a lot of the same kind of effects in this movie. Um, you'll see where they flash, especially this this initial stabbing scene. Uh, they flash the uh, the knife right. in the hand. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, all the the movement of the hand that was all Deborah Hill. All Deborah Hill. Yeah, Deborah Hill with, did with, the. When Michael goes up the stairs, puts on the clown 
clown mask, which I thought was a really well, when she thing. grabs she grabs the knife out of the drawer in the kitchen. Okay. That's her hand there. When uh, Michael grabs the when Michael grabs the knife, it's actually Deborah Hill's hand. Yes, it's her hand. The it's, big butcher's knife. And okay. then once she gets up the stairs and grabs the clown mask, and then all the stabbing motions. In the bedroom, that's all. They didn't have a little kid stand there with a no, knife. I can't imagine but why not. They, um, the cool thing about it is if you pay attention, close attention, um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure since Carpenter loved Psycho that this was intentional, um, there's a flashing scene of the knife where it's held sideways. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to stab somebody, you're going to go straight at them. But there's a flashing scene of the knife where it's, it's, basically you know perpendicular to the camera so you're seeing it firsthand and it's you know pushed forward that scene is if you look in psycho they do the same exact thing with flashing that that knife to kind of it gives emphasis to the knife before the actual stabbing um and then you do a stabbing scene where this is where you had her being topless, I had no problem with this topless. No, no problem because she's uh, especially just, since the fact that she was uh, 1975's uh, Playmate of the Year, I believe. Not no problem at all. Yeah, she just had sex with whatever his name was. Uh, Michael goes up there, she cries, and he ends up stabbing her to death. He walks, which I have a bone of contention. You get this little midget kid with a knife, and all you're going to do is. <laughs> Just, Michael, stop. Michael, stop. Just take it. Why don't you get up and run away or something? I mean, it's not that you just kick him in the stomach. Though, you know, and I, I know we're going to get into this a little bit more later when we talk about sequels and stuff, but at least you could buy the kid from the remake, the, the zombie remake. You could buy that he could overpower somebody. This kid looked like a my waif. Well, looked like son. just an angel. Yeah, and like an and there's just no way you... It's believable that he'd be able to take down essentially an 18-year-old or a 17-year-old girl. Right. right. Um, so he stabs her, exits the house where his parents are waiting for him. They take off the mask. He's holding the knife sideways, just staring off into space, which is important. And they just look at him, not like, oh, my God, there's a knife. There's blood on the knife like you and I would react. They just put their Michael, hands. Yeah, what's wrong, Michael? Put their hands on their shoulders, like, I mean, their hips, like, oh, my gosh, what were you doing with a knife? Yeah, why are you covered in blood? Why oh are my you goodness. covered in blood? No. Yeah, they, they, they are kind of the most vapid parents of all time. <laughs> um, they look like them, too. I mean, they look yeah, like they're, they're, they're very, <laughs> like... Ozzy and Harriet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, um, they are. And their reaction was 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 subpar, but I, I don't think that really mattered. No, it, it didn't just, really take away from the it, scene. It did. I think the kid, the, 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 the use of the Panavision, which Carpenter used a lot because of the tight schedule yes. and the budget, made, I mean, that was... That was a great scene. I mean, that was a, that was a, a fantastic opening scene. And, and what most people don't know is as they're shooting this shooting the scene, that house, this was the last scene they shot in the movie. Yeah. Because that house that you see is the same is the exact same house that you see dilapidated. They actually had to go in and fix up parts of it. Only the parts they were going to shoot. Right. It was so tight, the wallpaper would just end. Yeah. And yeah, they, yeah, yeah. And they had to adjust the lights around as the camera would move. So I just... Great, great scene, great scene. So, fast forwarding 15 years, where you have uh, 
scene in a station wagon with the nurse who looks like a playmate nurse and Pleasance. Uh, yeah, Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasance, Dr. Sam Loomis, who has been his uh, <coughs> psychiatrist for the past 15 years. Uh, yeah, and possibly one of the most expensive. To see. <laughs> I mean, it was a great decision to use him, but uh, he requested $25,000 to be in the movie and basically jumped the budget from three hundred to three twenty five. Yeah, three twenty five. So but hey, it was it was worth it. I so, mean how much of that how much of the movie is that? That's almost ten percent of the movie. Ten percent. Yeah. It's yeah, close. About 10%, I mean about it's it's about eight percent of the movie 8%. is Donald Pleasance. Exactly. We'll get into At Donald the same Pleasance. time you got uh, you know, all the actors wearing their own clothes while filming the damn thing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we'll get into Donald Pleasance a little bit here. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. We have Marion Chambers and Dr. Sam Lewis driving up to the psychiatry ward because they have to take Michael to court. It's even mentioned there. It's like, why are we even doing this? Yeah. And he's like, it's the law. We have to. Uh, and the nurse is smoking like a chimney. Yeah, I mean, and that's very, uh, you know, it's something that you pick up on almost immediately because it's 2018 and almost nobody smokes nobody anymore. Smokes anymore, yeah. You know, I mean, there's still plenty of smokers, but you just never yeah. see them anywhere yeah. anymore. Like, it's very odd. It's very... Very just weird. Yeah. But the ambiance of this movie is, I mean, this scene's great. It's raining outside. The headlights suck for some reason. <clears throat> and I love the the flash of the nuts roaming the yard. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And I'm going to call them that. nuts. They're just roaming. The, it's a great, eerie scene. And it's so realistic because of the fact that they had a budget. And they weren't over over developing. They yeah, they, yeah. I mean, I think you just you know having people walk around and scurry about is it to me is. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's like brilliant or anything, but it was very you know very wise instead of just having the single because you could do the whole scene outside. You don't even have to have anything inside the hospital. Nothing. You know, because it all happens outside. Outside, and outside. there's no protection to it. So, Dr. Sam Loomis sees, oh, my God, they've escaped the nuthouse. Wait here, nurse. I'm going to leave you alone in this car right. while I go investigate. Brilliant well, idea. at this point, I don't know that you could immediately jump to the conclusion that Michael was there. I, but I jumped to the conclusion there's a bunch of nuts running in their yard. Yeah. <laughs> That's the conclusion that I jump. Not, okay, maybe we should back off and figure out a different way to do it, go about doing this. So Loomis leaves her, and she hears there's this flash. There's this flash of this guy running up the the, the front of the, the front of the car, or the back of the car. Right? Yeah, the back of the, the car. The back of the car. And as you say, this is the only time that you see. Yeah, this is he that uh, Michael w- behind the mask. The shape, I should say, was played by Nick Castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the only scene where you actually can get a... It's only, I think, one or two shots. You know, one or two uh, 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 things of film um, that you can actually see his face on camera. Uh, the 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 reveal shot later on he was completely played by a separate person Different altogether. Separate person, correct. Um, because they said that he didn't look... They wanted more of an angelic face. Angelic face. So, um, you know, this is the only scene where you actually see Nick Case. Newt Castle, who plays him for the majority of the time. There was like six people that played Michael yeah. in the movie. It, you know, a lot of people, even um, 
Uh, Dever Hill played him at one point in time when he's standing in front of the school. So, I mean, everybody played the Michael in this movie. Yeah, even I did. Yeah, I was yeah. nine months old. I played him. So Yeah, I saw you. So, I was yeah, filming that I day. I appreciate that. So, and there, there's a use of the sound effect as, as Michael runs up the car. And, of course, like anybody who's intelligent, she rolls down the window. The yeah, nurse, yeah. Nurse rolls down the window. Oh, my God, there's something there. I well, I mean, let's be honest. You know, people in horror movies make really bad decisions. They do. So they do. I can't really feel bad. They do. They do. So Michael reaches in the car. She screams, goes to the other side. Michael breaks open the, other, the passenger door's window. Yeah, which is one of the, one of the first huge uh, faux pas in the movie is when he comes down, you can, it is noticeable. It is very, very noticeable that he's holding a wrench in his hand. It, they, they attached a wrench to his hand oh. so he could break the window because he actually breaks the window. Oh, the okay. weird thing is, is that that car, um, you, they, they rented that freaking car for the weekend <laughs> or to, to do the shots in the scene. Um, they rented it from a rental place uh, and then put, I don't know if they repainted it or what they did, but they basically just slapped the signs on the side that that had the uh, the. Um, so it it was kind of weird the way they had that whole scene, but yeah, you could, it's noticeable. Like noticeable. If you, if now that you know, now I have to go back and look. And at you it. watch it, you're going to see the wrench in his hand. It's yep. it's so noticeable. So then she so she runs she runs away, gets gets out. Michael jumps in the car. And drives off like Mario Andretti. Yeah, and that, and that of course, uh, people that are horror fans, horror, horror fanatics, uh, the first point of contention there, of course, they, they do address it a couple scenes later, is how the hell can Michael drive? I mean, he's been institutionalized since he was six years old. Um, I hear that they talk about it in the 2018 movie or, or one of the other versions um, that that he had picked it up when he was being driven to court. He watched somebody else driving, oh. so that's how he figured it out. But they figured it, if so. that's true, once again, you you get to the point of is he a mindless killer or is he you know intelligent? And there doesn't seem to be any consistency to that concept throughout the movie. Especially that's with one the, of the main things that people, concept of the, what the shape is. Yeah. Yeah, the shape should just be a mindless killer, but it it makes no sense that he doesn't kill anybody in the first scene, which would which is very intelligent mm-hmm. because the fact that he doesn't kill the nurse kind of keeps the the state troopers and everybody else out of this whole mm-hmm. thing. You know, because if he had killed the nurse, they'd be on top of it. Everybody would be looking for him. He, it would be, yeah. you know, he's right now he's an escaped mental patient. If he's an escaped mental patient that killed a nurse during the escape, yeah. suddenly he's got Good the point. entire state going Good after point. him. Which, once again, it's it, why would he do that? Especially considering the fact that the very next scene, he kills. Uh, uh, That's the next. Next scene is uh, we go back to Haddonfield. Okay. So the we go, next so let's scene go back that to, you, you get to the, with with him. I'm sorry. So though. we go back to the modern day Haddonfield. Yes. And you see Laurie leaving her house, and she's walking through the neighborhood with little Tommy. Yeah, Tommy runs up, but yeah. Tommy. So Actually, you, the first scene is it's her uh, talking to her father, and her father asks her to do a favor oh, and drop realtor. off keys. Sorry. 
Um, and then she's walking towards school, and, and she has to walk past the Myers house um, to drop off the keys, and Tommy was walking with her. Tommy's walking with her, and they see the house. And they're talking about her babysitting him that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, um, and I know I'm kind of taking over here, go sorry, ahead. but go ahead. Uh, go ahead. They, they get to the house, and she goes up, and he gives his little story. The Myers house. The Myers yes, house. the Myers house. Mm-hmm. Um, was it, and which he, looks run down, dilapidated. Yeah, and this is where he goes house into everyone in the house. Ha- everyone in the city is like, you know, that's the... That's the horror house. That's the boogeyman's house, whatever you want to call which, it. Which Every, is weird because it's slap dad in the middle of a neighborhood. Yeah, but it is dilapidated. It, it, it's definitely worn down. It looks like shit. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and there was, you know, a, a kid killed his sister in the house. So, and everybody knew mm-hmm. about it. Um, so, uh, you know, it's. It's everybody, you know, everybody talks about this house. Everybody knows it's the evil it's house. That house. It's right. that house. It's that house and evil house and everybody. Right. So anyway, she's there. She goes to drop the keys off. And, um, you know, Tommy's like, you can't do that. You can't do that. The whole time, Michael's in the house and looking through the window at them. The breathing. Uh, well, yeah, you hear the breathing, which is, you know, that's a standard trope of, of horror movies at this point. Anytime you've got a POV type shot, you're going to hear breathing, but... It's, I don't know that it was really well, you know, I think I, they used it in Black Christmas as well. So. I like the breathing in the mask. To me, when I hear the breathing, I think of the breathing in the mask. Yeah, yeah. I think it, these are certain type of, everybody's worn a Halloween mask. And at this point, you don't know if he actually has the mask yet Nobody or not knows. because you can't see him in that scene. Even production of course, you see him no very, very soon thereafter. Even production doesn't include. So we have, um, and we have a shot of Laurie in school. She looks out the window. She sees a station wagon there, which happens to be the same station wagon that Michael escaped with. Looks down, looks back up. Station wagon is gone. Now, and and I kind of want to, I don't know if we want to get into this yet or not, but um, you, you, when you did, you know, because we do a little bit of a write-up and, you know, we go back and forth and talk about these kinds of things before we're going to do the show. And when Jimmy did the write-up, he did exactly what I expected him to do, which was look at Halloween from the aspect of Michael was trying to kill his sister, Lori. Mm-hmm. And your initial write-up was all written in that vein. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's very important because most people, like yourself and myself, we were a little older. So by the time we watched Halloween the first time, we, quote unquote, knew Lori was Michael's sister Mm -hmm. because we were told that in the second Halloween movie. Mm Not the first. Not the first. Um, And that's very important because of, you know, the 2018 sequel that's coming out, which clearly she is not Michael's sister. Uh, that's, that's not, you know, that's not a big, you know, spoiler. Obviously I haven't seen the movie yet, but it's a, it's well known on online that she is not, not my, which Michael Myers' sister. Which changes the entire dynamic. Yeah. Um, now they, I think they say that it was a rumor that she was his sister and that's why he was coming after him, but it was never true. Mm-hmm. Now the, the fact of the matter is, is that when you go back and you watch Halloween with fresh eyes, taking that out of the equation completely, you have a completely different experience yeah. because the two people that he sees in front of the house are Tommy and Lori. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the time, he is stalking not just Lori, 
but Tommy and Lori. Mm-hmm. He he's at the high, he's at the elementary school when the bullies uh, push him over and knock the uh, pumpkin out of his hand. He's at um you know he's at the high school in the car. He's you know following the girls in the car. He, I mean, so he's stalking both Tommy and Lori in this film. Mm-hmm. Yes, and as you mentioned, the next the next scene is where you have. Tommy has he's carrying this pumpkin. Of course, you have the stereotype of bullies. You know, boogeyman's going to get you. The boogeyman's going to get you. Yeah, and, not uh, the best. Well, not the best writing, but no, <laughs> and and definitely not the best acting. I don't know where they got those kids from, but it was like, yeah, if you know, if it was a uh, son of a thousand maniacs, I I, I don't know that it would no. been a delivered and as well. Not at all. Not at all. So <laughs> so they, they they bully him. He falls over. The pumpkin explodes, which took seven takes apparently. One of the bullies runs off and runs into Michael Myers. He's wearing the trench coat and what appears to be the bottom part of a mask. And that's pretty... I, I watched it again last night. I was like, he's wearing the mask. Yes, yeah. He's wearing the mask right now, which he doesn't have at this point in this story. Or does he? Who knows? Well, well that's... Yeah, that's, and that comes up a little later, later something that I, a lot of people bitch about so because then, of the, the timeline consistency is way off because yeah. he definitely has the mask he in that scene. He definitely has the mask He scene. definitely has the mask in every scene from that point yes. on. So, yeah, the great, again, the, the great use of music. Next thing you know, he's stalking Tommy in his car. And you have to watch him driving. It is textbook driving. You have to notice, it's like hand over hand, you know, 3 o'clock, 9 o'clock on the steering wheel when you're turning. <coughs> you make sure you're doing... Yes, this, this <laughs> six-year-old mental patient <laughs> drives like, a, you know, uh, like he's taking Miss Daisy to the store. <laughs> It is. Watch it. I'm just like, oh, come on. Come on, really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's why so many people get frustrated with that duality of it, of the character. <clears throat> so then you have um, Flash, Flash back out to the country. It's not in Haddonfield. You have Donald. I'm just going to call him Donald Pleasance. Why not? Sam Loomis. Lim, Loomis. Yes. Sam Loomis, of course, named after uh, Loomis from the uh, some from Psycho. Psycho, correct. Psycho. Uh, so Psycho. once again, another inspiration. Uh, I don't know. You said you wanted to talk about him a little later, but yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, we are going to talk about Donald Pleasance and how he was cast a little bit later. But yeah, but that's where the the name for that comes from. Correct. So he finds this telephone booth, calls somebody in the telephone booth. Then he find, looks over and finds this abandoned mechanics truck. Didn't he? I thought he called the... Uh, well, he already had the scene. There was a scene where he was talking to the guy at the um, in, institution. Yes. We, right, you skipped that, I mean, skip that scene. It's not that important of a scene. It was basically just you know adding a little bit more backstory for Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have this scene where he makes the call to the sheriff in Haddonfield That's to right. warn him that... Michael's coming. There's an escape mental patient <clears throat> on the way. Well, no, he specifically said Michael. Michael Myers. The the sheriff knew who Michael Myers was. Okay. Um, and I think that's relatively important, not overly important, because at that point in time, they weren't sure that that's where he was going. But you know, Loomis was sure, but nobody else was. Um, and then, of course, you have the scene where you know you see where he had stolen the jumpsuit from the. The uh, tow truck driver. Tow truck driver. Uh, he's in the weeds or something. Yeah, he's in the weeds just out of view. So 
Pleasance once again, Farmer. Pleasance doesn't see that he's killed the guy. He just sees that the truck is there and that it's obviously something was stolen out of the truck, but he doesn't know what. Um, and what, why does a mindless killer take and hide the body? It's amazing, isn't it? Not to mention, why is the pickup truck on a dirt road kind of in the middle of nowhere? That didn't make any sense anyway, but unless he somehow contacted the contacted him and specifically drove the truck off to the side and then hid the body in the the weeds away from the truck. Yeah. Like there is way too many There's like way too much thought in it. <laughs> exactly. Man. A mindless just, killer wouldn't do he's that. He's supposed to be mindless killer. Mind- now of course when I saw this as a kid, I wasn't thinking of any of these. No, I'm right. looking we're at this in a being, critical eye we're because just, we're being critical assholes. I, I, I guarantee it. you, this is one of those movies I've seen at least fifty times, if not more. But it's fabulous. So it's fabulous. So uh, we we go back. The next day is Halloween, and Laurie and friends are are talking about the school, what have you, what they're doing that night. You know, her two friends are hooking up. And Michael starts stalking them. First part is when he's back in his station wagon driving, and then Annie, Laurie's friend. Hey, jerk! Speed kills! It sticks out, you know, hey, jerk, speed kills. Yeah. And apparently Michael has, like, the, the ears of a, of a freaking wolf. <laughs> You know, yeah. he's he's like he's two, halfway down the he's block. halfway down the block and just slams on the brake. Like really driving in a car with the windows up, <laughs> and somehow heard it slams on the brakes. You know what's sad is we're gonna, we're gonna be. We're but sh- then he's smart enough to oh I can't kill these I, girls I right on the side. You know yeah. I have to wait till later. I have to wait till later. <laughs> It's funny, we're, we're like shitting on this movie, and at the end we're like, this is a fantastic movie. We, but we love it. It's, we love it. It's, you know, it's fine. Because it scares you. Yes, it yes, it's you. fine to, to make fun of it at this point. It's 2018, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. They've had, they're, they're now releasing what, the, the 12th, or no, know. 8, 9, 10, 11th Halloween movie. So, I mean, it, we, you, you know, it's fine to point Make you know, poke fun at it. Mm-hmm. Eight, nine, ten. No, twelfth. Yeah, it's twelfth. Twelfth, twelfth. Yeah, whatever. So they continue to walk, and apparently Michael Myers parks the car. Yeah, and wants to screw with them more because there's that. This is I think this is a classic scene in Halloween. Is the whole the hedge of bushes mm-hmm. where Laurie looks down, she sees Michael with the mask on, and 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 the uh, I laugh at that because what's coming up in the trench coat. And then looks back over, and he's gone. And then Andy, he's like, oh, I'm going to go check this out. Goes behind the bushes, screws with Laurie. But, it's, but it was definitely a chill oh, yeah, scene. It's, it's a chiller Fantastic. scene because it builds up that suspense like, holy shit, he's behind that bush, and he is literally going to cut that chick's head off, uh, you know, and, and shit's about to go down. It doesn't, but it's a nice, it's a nice uh, fake scare there. Yeah, but Annie and Linda continue to dismiss her concerns and all that. Uh, one little uh, side note: uh, apparently, Carpenter was standing behind the bush and smoke. smoking. <laughs> smoke, yeah. Because <laughs> you can, you can see a puff of smoke come out. It's, it's very hard to see though. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I read up, I, you know, I saw that online somewhere at some point in time. At some point, yeah. It's there. There's a lot of information about this movie. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. So, oh, yeah. Um, then she eventually makes her way to her house, and that's where she looks out her, wind, her bedroom window and sees Michael folding laundry or something like that. He's, yeah, he's standing in the sheets, which is kind of a cool scene. Um, it's a cool scene. Because, you know, you have the sheets kind of blowing in the wind. And, and the reason I like this scene is not specifically because of this scene, but I kind of feel like it, it's one of those weird reoccurring scenes. Uh, it shows up in It, um, the, uh, the TV version of It, um, there's a scene very similar to that in Stephen King's The, uh, not The Stand, what the fuck was it? Uh, uh, damn it, um, Needful Things. Needful Another thing. one of my favorite horror movies. Uh, Needful Things, there's a whole huge scene where the kid's throwing shit at the, at the, uh, the laundry hanging in the backyard mm-hmm. and throws the rocks through the windows and shit. I, I love, I don't know why it is, but it's kind of just one of those weird romanticized scenes that kind of shows up I, I, in yeah. horror movies in the eighties and nineties. It doesn't show up anymore because it's nobody so, used yeah. hangs their clothes outside anymore. So yeah, yeah. it's something that's gone away. There's something mysterious about it. Yeah. I don't know. And it's, it's a nice scene and it, you know, you can do that where he's there and then the, the towel or the or the the sheet blows in the wind and suddenly he's gone. It you can it's just yeah. a nice scene where you can build and, up and a little bit. Psychologically to me, it's like, all right, those are my things. Yes. And, and, and he's only, he's right next to my, my panties. My things, not like that, but it's like I psychologically <laughs> is I have to go get those things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, At some that, point in your mind you're thinking that. Yeah. that. But I think it's a, it's a, it's important to point out several things in what just happened in this series of, of scenes of then walking through the woods, I mean, the, the, the neighborhood, uh, talking about the three actresses in, in general and how they were stretching the budget and why they cast these three girls. They, it was a stereotypical, one is, the, one is the, the, the cheerleader, one is the brainiac who happens to be Laura, you know, the do-gooder who doesn't have sex. Yeah. And then, and then the, uh, the other one was the smart aleck. Yeah, but but then, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I mean, I know what Carpenter, Carpenter did interviews about this years later and said that none of this had to do with, you know, morality. It wasn't a morality tale. But, I, you know, I, I have my doubts that it wasn't. I mean, they both said it wasn't a morality tale, but it's too obvious it's too that obvious it's a mor- morality tale the whole time. And I, I wonder if that was Hollywood pressure saying no you shouldn't yeah. because now you've now set up all of horror for the rest of time that you know the virgin walks away yeah, yeah well guess what you did that's the way yeah, it yeah. went because you made this into a morality tale whether you intended to or not or not and it's sometimes you have that happy mistake so but um speaking of that of course jamie lee curtis another psycho reference uh you know his her mother uh janet lee being the um, victim of the shower stall, uh, the shower scene. So um, it's another psycho reference. Uh, another psycho and reference. And, and like I said, you know, Carpenter was obvious. It, you know, the, it came from outer space, which we talked about a little earlier, inspired The Thing, which was another John Carpenter's film that he loved. John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his name was above the fold on that one too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he... 
Uh, you know, that inspired that movie. Psycho obviously inspired most of this movie. It, it's it's pretty obvious. It's, it's all agree. over the damn place. I would agree with that. So you had uh, PJ Souls, who happens to be probably the only other name actor. In yeah, the movie. I mean, she had just done Carrie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, I, I mean, PJ Souls. I love PJ Souls mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, I've met her multiple times. Mm-hmm. She's a really, really, really cool lady. I bet she is. Um, she is. She's just as fun in real life as she was in the movies. Very cool. So, Very cool. you know, it's, it's, you know, she's a cool chick. Um, and, and I'm going to talk about her a little bit later, but it, you know, and she was cast because just the way that she said totally, you know, it's totally insane. We have three new cheers to learn in the morning. The game is in the afternoon. I have to get my hair done at five and the dance is at eight. I'll be totally wiped out. I don't think you have enough to do tomorrow. Totally. Uh, now I didn't know that. That was her. That was her mystique. Guess what Carpenter wanted? He wanted that cheerleader. Huh? He wanted that totally. Then you have Annie, who is uh, Nancy. I can't remember Kias, who happens to be the the ex-wife of the the, the designer on the set. Oh, okay. And she was also an assault on Precinct Thirteen, and we mentioned Jamie Lou Curtis, the Scream Queen, who is also the daughter of of uh, Janet Lee. Janet Lee. But uh, she was actually. But uh, you know, just to point back to the incestuous type, the, the, the incestuous, the incestuous relationships yeah, that we talked you about. You have the, you know, uh, he reused a lot of people. Deborah Hill being his girlfriend, and you know, she she showed, you know, she's in the film. She was part of the writing team. She was part of, you know, the production team. Um, she, you know, she was involved with Assault on Precinct mm-hmm. Thirteen. Um, he brought over some actors from Assault mm-hmm. on Precinct 13 and, and a lot of the stunt coordinators and, and you know, that kind of shit. He just, he, you, you know, this is a, a theme that's going to go through almost every movie that we talk about. So yes. probably won't bring it up as much anymore. But, but it's just important to know that, you know, if you watch a movie, these movies are the same people doing these movies over, over and over, over again. And over. That's how it works. That's how it so. works. So, Curtis was actually not the first choice to play Laurie. It was uh, Annie Lockhart, who happened, happened to be... She had a scheduling conflict, a Scheduling I think. conflict. And when Carpenter realized that Curtis was the daughter of Janet Lee, he's like, this will be good for publicity. Why not? So he paid her $8,000, the only teenager on the set... And she, and she was uh, she was cast. Also, Deborah Winger tried out for the part. I think Jamie Lee Curtis in an interview. I didn't know um, that. A recent interview said that she thought she had no shot because Deborah Winger tried out for it, and she knew who Deborah Winger was. Like, there's no way I wanted to get this. So she got it. So she got it. Yeah, because she had only done. Uh, I think she, was it. I think she did Petticoat Junction. I don't know. She did a couple like bit roles in in a couple uh, old shows at the time. Mm-hmm. But I, I really don't remember what the hell it was at this point. So we could talk about the settings and all that with the Y Oaks that are in the background that look really cool, but they're not native in Illinois. And since it was shot where the leaves weren't turning yet, they actually had three garbage bag fulls of painted leaves. Yeah, that yeah, they that they had to keep reusing. Over and over again and over and over again. And I guess you saw in one of the shots, you can see a palm tree. 
Yeah, you can. There, there is a palm tree in the background, but it's it's they're hard to see. I mean, there's a couple things like that though, because they filmed it in uh, Southern California, correct? Yes. And uh, the, um, I mean, being based in Illinois, like none of the trees should have had leaves uh, in October in Illinois, and yet all the trees are still green and full of leaves. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that does tend to be a little bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. So next scene is you really you see Donald Pleasance really becoming involved with the movie, uh, uh, more so as he arrives in in Haddonfield, and and there's a whole graveyard, the cemetery scene where Judith Myers, Michael Myers' uh, mother, correct? No, it's his sister. Sister, sorry, the one he killed. So yes. Um, so he went to the grave. Um, I I don't know what his concept was behind that because he had no idea that the gravestone had been stolen or anything like that. But why would he, I mean, I guess he thought maybe he might find him there, but I would think that it would be more likely that he'd find him at the house than at the gravesite. But regardless, he goes to the gravesite and the headstone has been taken. Taken, just just removed. Now, the, the, the part of Dr. Sam Lewis wasn't Donald Pleasance at first. It was actually Carpenter approached uh, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing about playing, and both of them turned him down. Yeah, yeah, those are both hard guys. I mean, both of them had played Dracula at different points in time. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were uh, both, uh, I think uh, Christopher Lee's a British actor. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't don't know about the... uh, Peter Cushing? Yeah, I think Peter Cushing's British too. I'm yeah, not positive though, um, but they were bigger stars, uh, and they, and it was just to try to bring in a draw. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, as you were about to say, Christopher Lee at some point in time uh, went back and said it was one of the biggest mistakes that he had ever made was not playing. Uh, so he finds the headstone; it's gone. Then we switch back to Laurie and Annie driving. Great scene because you have one of my favorite songs of all time, Don't Fear the Reaper by a Blue Oyster Cult in the background. Yeah, uh, Carpenter loved this song. Uh, and the only reason I know that is because it consistently shows up in his uh, movies. Um, there was a re- In Scream, there was a remake of Don't Fear the Reaper. Uh, I I know it's been in at least three of his films, at least. Uh, it's just, a, I, he had to love this song and... and I think he might have just been a Blue Oyster Call fan. I don't know. I, I, I you know, I might don't have. Huh? Might have. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know. I, I just know that it shows up in a lot of his films. Mm-hmm. So here's the funny part. So they're driving. Annie and, and uh, Laurie are driving. They pull up to the hardware store where there's an alarm going off, and they see. <laughs> this is. Yeah, there, there's another scene that we kind of skipped real quickly. Uh, and because it, it's not really that important of a scene until you take into effect that it causes a huge timeline issue. Uh, that Lori and um, when Lori and uh, 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 what's her name uh, were Annie Annie were getting ready to leave, um, they're at the sheriff's house, and the sheriff walks up and is talking to Lori. So why would the sheriff if, if Michael is wearing the mask? At the at the elementary school, and when Lori sees him while she's at high school, then he has the mask from earlier in the day. Yet she runs into the sheriff after school at his house, 
And then they drive all over town and they end up in front of the hardware store and talk to the sheriff when the alarm is going off. And then the sheriff is like, oh, yeah, somebody broke in and took a mask and like some rope and a knife. Okay, I don't know why you would give that information out, but beyond that, what the hell have you been doing all day while this alarm has been going off because he broke into the store God knows when (laughs) o'clock. Exactly. Exactly. It just doesn't... It just doesn't jive when you stop and think about it. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't at all. So. But it, it's all good, man. It's all good. You just ignore that shit when you're watching these movies. Exactly. So they drive off, and then you see the station wagon following them. This is great because you see it's daytime, and all of a sudden it's nighttime. Oh yeah. There is no transition. But, and no, there isn't. But I can. It's viable. I, I that one never bothered me as much. Um, because you know, in the fall, like it's it, day it, and then it's night. All the, you're right. It is all. So that's it, gonna be happening here over the next couple of weeks here. Yeah, yeah. And that's viable. That's not that big of a But deal. I just thought of it. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. 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 It's definitely something there. So, um, then Myers, then you see Laurie's handing out Halloween candy, the trick or treaters and he and Myers is, uh, hiding behind a, a tree. So that gives a creepy effect. Then you have Loomis, and they switch over to Loomis and Brackett, the, uh, the sheriff, searching the old Myers home. It's a really cool scene because you have Loomis leading um, Brackett to the room. He's like, this is where it happened. Like, right here. It was a great, just a, a great speed. And that's what Pleasance is great at exploring. You must think me... A very sinister doctor. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I do have a permit. Seems to me you're just plain scared. Yes. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. What do we do? He's been here once tonight. I think he'll come back. I'm going to wait for him. I still think I should notify the radio and television. No. If you do that, they'll see him on every street corner. They'll look for him in every house. Just tell your men to keep their mouths shut and their eyes open. I'll check back in an hour. Tremendous exposition. Um, yeah, his... his uh his little he has multiple scenes where he's doing these little one-offs and they every one of them is delivered perfectly and there's the one that is delivered here about the pure evil yeah 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 it's just he makes everything believable Mm -hmm. in this role and i think that's why you know he was perfect for this role i don't know that christopher you know christopher lee's great yeah but i don't know that he delivers it with such sincerity mm-hmm. 
um, and get you to believe it. Uh, so I, I don't know. Um, I did want to point out. Yes, this is important. This is very important. But what you were talking about before about him, him hiding people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's 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 a you know mindless killer who is intelligent enough to do all this shit. Uh, yet he eats a half eaten. He there, he leaves a half eaten dog in the house. Yeah, but he doesn't. They don't show the dog on the scene, which I think is really cool. They don't show the dog at all. No, no, they don't. They do show the second dog being killed, Mm -hmm. um, but they do talk about the dog being killed and how it must have been by an animal, which leads him into this whole thing. No, just, you know, I... I, And I think that this was actually redone by Malcolm McDowell, which, honestly, Malcolm McDowell as Loomis was great, too. But, uh, you know, this scene where he's... I spent six years trying to reach him, and then the next eight trying to lock him away... I mean, it, it, it's very, it could have been Jaws. It could have just been right out of Jaws. I yeah, mean, that's how good the line was. Black eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Shark's eyes. Yeah, it was great. It, it was, really was. It was. Did you say something about No, I didn't say anything about Jaws. But this is the end of our show for today. It's a little bit over an hour. Uh, we are approaching Halloween night, and this is right before how Michael Myers starts his killing spree. Hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week as we follow up on Halloween, what Michael Myers does, and a little bit of trivia after the fact. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. We are on Facebook. You can make sure to like us there. And SoundCloud, JB's Driving Podcast. We appreciate the support. If you like what we have to say, please share us. Any support you give us in our, in our early days is much appreciated. As for now, have a great freaking week.